You're listening to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. Hosted by Rev Yearwood, Mustafa Santiago Ali, and me, Antonique Smith. Each week, we host important conversations with innovators, policymakers, cultural influencers, and movement leaders who are leading the way to a 100% clean energy and just world. Welcome to Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. I'm Rev Yearwood, President and CEO of the Hip Hop Caucus. And I'm Mustafa Santiago Ali, Senior Vice President of the Hip Hop Caucus. Welcome to our radio show and podcast that delivers real talk on climate change and environmental justice. No sides, just the facts and stronger communities. Man, I like that, Mustafa. Yes, sir. Man, I want to say thank you to... WPFW here in, in Washington, D.C., and all of our supporters, and also a big thank you to all of our listeners who tune in each week. We love you. And you can check out the show's blog at think100.info, and be sure to follow us online at think100show. Let me hit you with that one more time. Check out the blog at think100.info, and follow us at think100.show. So, Mustafa, I am excited for today's show. We've got maybe our youngest and coolest show uh, uh, yet. It's about to be lit. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Um, first, before we get into that, let's, let's talk about some of our, our shout-outs, some things that are going on in the climate movement. Um, today um, is the anniversary I don't know, I hate that word anniversary. I think it's commemoration, to be honest, mm-hmm. um, of the uh, four-year um, commemoration of the uh, uh, death of Eric Garner. Um, and so I'm actually, you know, rocking to those who know. You got to tune in at, at Think 100. I'm actually rocking my, my dear comrade and friend, Erica Garner, um, who was Eric Garner's um, daughter. And I guess I just want to say this for those who don't know. Many of you saw, um, you know, four years ago on July 17th, 2014, you saw Eric Garner um, being choked out. And we still need justice for that. Um, And, uh, you know, but one of the connections, people are tuning in right now to Hip Hop Caucus, Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change, they say, man, Rev, you know, why are y'all talking about Eric Garner? That's the, ain't that Black Lives Matter? What's, what's the connection between climate change um, in that regard? And so it's a, it's a major connection. One, you know, and Mustafa, you can speak to this, mm-hmm. you know, in this aspect about this, how uh, poor people and people of color are on the front lines of climate mm-hmm. change. We're going we gonna, we gonna to get into that in this show. We gotta, but more importantly, I think people don't understand is that Eric Garner um, had asthma. And, you know, uh, 68% of people of color live within 30 miles of a coal-fired power plant. And even though in that borough in New York City, um, you know, they that borough actually received the F for air quality. I bring all this up for this reason because as we saw Eric Garner being choked out saying, I can't breathe, 
um, what we what we knew is that even though he was choked out by the NYPD police, he was also dying because of the the toxic uh, air within his community, and that would fulfill itself actually in a terrible way because as his amazing daughter Erica Garner um, would be fighting. Um, for her father, she would die early this year because of an asthma attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's just that, and this is actually one of my saddest hats, y'all, because, you know, I wore Eric Garner's hat in the White House, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, and then now to be wearing Erica Garner um, on my head, this lets me know this is real, what we're doing. So, anyway, shout out um, to the Garner family, man. Shout out for all those who are still fighting up there in New York City, and uh, we will not. Uh, forget uh, all those who die unjustly. Mustafa, you got any shout-outs for us this week? Yeah, we uh, want to make sure that we let everybody know tomorrow is Nelson Mandela's 100th birthday, a, a true freedom, freedom fighter. That's right. Uh, not only fighting against uh, you know, the issues that were going on in South Africa, but across our planet. Um, so let's make sure that we keep his memory alive, but not just his memory, but also what he stood for and the work that he did. And that's important. We, uh, we have our own apartheid movement going on well, yes, right now. Yes. We need to divest from fossil fuels. Come on, y'all. Let's make that divestment movement happen. We have our own movement. So we got to have, I guess, our own, our own Sun City type thing going on. Exactly. You know, exactly. Uh, actually, that's our, our own real Sun City. Yeah, true. You know what I mean? Um, so anyways, y'all might, y'all might know we have, we have our, uh, our, our third co-host is not here. We, we got to say that now because now we have three of us. Yes, we do. Um, so we have the amazing Antonique Smith. But the problem with Antonique, though, y'all, is that she's a superstar. Superstar. And then we're not. So we can, we can be here every week. <laughs> and she's actually making Marvel movies and other things. But... She's going to be here this weekend. Yes. She's going to be coming to D.C., uh, taking a minute from Luke Cage and all of her other things to hang out for what is actually in the studio. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about what we got going on. So, Mustafa, give us an introduction of who we have here in the studio. That's right, Rev. Today we've got in the studio with us three founding members of Zero Hour. If y'all don't know about Zero Hour, you need to run real fast and Google (laughs) so you can make sure you're at the march this Saturday. I mean, they are extremely inspiring. Um, I can't tell you enough. I just wish everybody, Rev, could be here with us in the studio to see these incredible young leaders who are not waiting. They are making it happen today, uh, and they're taking the fight into their own hands. I know that's right. This fight is certainly not one that they asked for. The climate fight is a problem zero hour inherited from older generations that have also failed to be active enough to combat it. That's part of what makes these three uh, amazing uh, and their organization they represent so impressive. They have embraced the fight and are making a huge impact across the uh, country. So let me introduce for those right now. Well, I wish I had a drum roll. I can make this. We can, we can do this. So we can get yeah, there. It is. See, there it is. All right, Nat. Come on. So uh, first, uh, we have Jamie Margolin. She is the founder and president of Zero Hour. Jamie, what's happening? Hi, everyone. I'm so glad to be here. Man, it is great to have you. Next up, we have Nadia Nazar, right? Yep. All right, now. <laughs> And uh, aren't you from B-more? I am from B-more. I like that. You know, we got to talk about that B-more. You know, we got to have our pockets Baltimore going on. We got to make sure we get you in the loop with that. We got a block party going on. But she is also a founding member, and I love this. And I'm with the arts, so she's the art director and a co-sponsorship lead for Zero Hour. Make it up for Nada, y'all. Come on, y'all. And then, last but not least, uh, we have Madeline Two. 
And yep. she's also a Madeline, where are you from? I'm from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. You know, I like that. You from you from what, what part of New Jersey? Uh Bergen County, so northern. Yeah. Okay, okay. You're yeah. from, from Brick yeah. City then. From uh, Newark. Yep. Oh, that's what's yeah. up. What's up? Madeline too is an awesome family member and director, and I like this. She's director of fundraising. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No cash, no cause. You know what I mean? Yeah. She's making sure that zero hours is 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 is, is happening. She works so, hard, and that's that, that's a great thing. So we're going to hop right into this. Actually, what I want to do um, first tell folks what's going on this weekend, and then I want to actually read for people your guiding principles, and we're going to kind of hop into that. But tell them what's happening. A little background on Zero Hour. Uh, Jamie, how about you? Yeah, so we are gearing up for a historic weekend of youth climate action this weekend in D.C. with sister actions around the world. Um, we have three days of action laid out on July 19th, the day after tomorrow. We have the Youth Climate Lobby Day on Capitol Hill, where young people are going to be talking face-to-face with our politicians and telling them, what we need from them in order to have a livable future. So like the main event that most people have heard of is the Youth Climate March, but then like with the Lobby Day, we're delivering like the the platform that we're going to talk about today and we're we're really showing them like giving them concrete steps so that they can't just say I don't know what these kids are marching for. Like no, we literally spoon-fed you these demands. Like <laughs> um so we're in it for the long run and so the Lobby Day on July 19th on Capitol Hill it's going to be all youth talking to our leaders is the way that we ensure that um that we're we're in this for the long run and that we're we're not just here to march make make some noise take some pictures and go away we're here to do the work. Mm-hmm. Um and then Nadia do you want to talk about the art day? Yeah, so the art day is this Friday, July 20th from 4 to 8 p.m. at DuPont Circle DC. and DC <laughs> Washington DC and it's a, an event where we we're using art and music to uplift the DC community through climate action and climate solution. Mm-hmm. And we have performers like Chutescott Martinez and Ariel mm-hmm. Martinez Cohen who are both young singers and rappers that that um that talk about climate change for their music. That's what's up. And, and don't you have a new album coming out? I think it's a new album that came out, right? Yeah, yeah. she Yeah. Oh, from Colorado. He's, he's a good one. So he's be here on Friday. That's yeah, great yeah. to know. Yeah, yeah. he's going to be speaking at the march. And Madeline, do you want to tell us? Yep, sure. So Saturday, July 21st is going to be our Youth Climate March. Um, and basically what we're going to be doing there is first kind of highlighting the voices of youth on the front lines, so people who have been affected by climate change. Uh, and then we're going to uh, walk the streets and kind of rally for our youth voices. So, folks, if you were listening, you were just tuning in to Hip Hop Caucus, Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change. You are tuning in to Zero Hour, and they are here. They are like, listen, they are fed up. They are, listen, whose streets, our streets, mm-hmm. they about to just bring it. But more importantly, they have some guiding principles, and I think I actually want to read them because I think it's important for our movement. I think they, this to me, a lot of us, and I know we talked about this earlier, that you know we have EJ principles, and mm-hmm. we have, uh, I don't think we actually have uh, a general climate movement principles, do we? No, no, we don't. We have environmental justice principles, we have climate justice principles, and now these young ladies are, are putting it down uh, with these principles to help a new generation to move forward. And that's important because we know many of you in the climate movement are listening to this. We either hear this through through the podcast or are listening right now all over the country. So this is actually historic. I want to thank you, but I, I want to get into it. So yeah. I want to I want to read it. Um, and then I think I want I want I want to then let's just, let's discuss it and let's yeah. let's 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 make that conversation Definitely. happen. So first, this is so I think you can get this on your website too as well for those who want to read along. This is zerohour.org. So yeah. this is zerohour.org. If you want to check out that, you can read along with me. But I'm going to do that for you for all those who are listening 
uh, right now. So first, uh, as a movement, we believe. <clears throat> yes, get, get some water. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Drum roll again. Yeah, yeah, right. this, is, this is not a, this is they, it's not one. Gettysburg address. Which what's going on? <laughs> get ready. We ready. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it. We're gonna give it. Make sure people can hear it. Okay. As a movement, we believe first those who are on the front lines of any movement should lead that movement. Mm. Number two. On the front lines of climate change is the global south. People of color, indigenous peoples, youth, people with disabilities, poor people, women, queer and trans people, and people belonging to marginalized faiths. Three, in our youth movement to combat climate change, we uplift the youth voices of these communities. Next, youth leadership is transformational and visionary. Youth must lead because they have always shifted culture toward progress and collective liberation. Mm -hmm. Next, systems of oppression, capitalism, colonialism, racism, and patriarchy have led to climate change. Therefore, we must shift our culture away from these systems. Next, intersectional movement building is the only way we can achieve collective liberation because working together on intersecting issues will unify communities who wish to join our struggle for a safe and healthy future for all. Next, the people must take action rather than waiting for elected officials to lead. Next. The elected officials must comply with the demands of the youth. Therefore, they must pass and enforce legislation and support policies that protect life and our future on this planet. And last, this is a revolution. Mm. Let's get into that. Ladies, yeah. why did you write these guiding principles? These guiding principles were actually written by one of our core organizers, Kibriti, who is who is um, a frontline youth, and so getting his perspective on this was was really important, and he he really took the lead on this platform. Yeah, Kibriti is a climate refugee um, from the Congo, so he he along with several other people. Um, this this platform was also was actually written by um, young people of color, and it was also. Um, there was a lot of input amongst frontline communities in this writing, writing the guiding principles and the platform that we're going to get into. So on the why, like why did we write these guiding principles we wanted to kind of set like um, a consensus of like what we were fighting for as a movement and make sure that we're all on the same page. What do you mean when you say that? Well, because there are a lot of people in the climate movement who kind of like, there are people who come out at it from a, a very privileged place where it's just mm -hmm. like in their minds, they're just like, science and lowering carbon levels and then there are people coming at it from like my family can't breathe so we want to make sure that um everyone is it is aware that, that how intersectional this issue is and that we're not just fighting for like carbon to lower in the atmosphere but we're fighting for the lives that it's affecting mm. yep. and let me just say this all three of you are people of color yes so 
and when you say privilege, because let's let's get into it. I mean, this yeah. is this is you know you won't think one hundred percent, so you can get into it on here. You got, we got real talk, right, Mustafa? Yeah, we got some real talk. We can have real talk. So, yeah. as young people, because also give you give your ages. I'm Jamie, and I'm sixteen. I'm Madeline, fifteen. I'm Nadia, and I'm sixteen. Wow. So, okay. So this this that gives y'all some perspective right. on on these amazing uh, leaders in here uh, to today. So. Talk about why dealing with privilege was important for you and guiding these guiding principles. Well, because um, a lot of the damage that is done to our climate is done by people who just frankly aren't going to have to bear the worst consequences um, of climate change. Um, it's going to be the people on the front lines who don't have um, this priv privilege on their side. Um, so that's something that we need to address uh, because it's kind of easy for those people who are contributing to climate change to think, oh, well, this isn't going to affect me. Um, I'm just going to keep living life um, how I always have been. And for government, uh, you know, it's easier to just kind of keep going on the road that we've always been going with no trouble. Um, and that's I mean, we, f we find that unacceptable because of the lives that it does impact. Mm. I mean, again, I'm just. It's such a blessing to be here with you all. You guys are just so incredible. I feel like I'm looking at my little sisters and just so super proud. Um, can you guys talk a little bit also? So, uh, uh, you know, this Guiding Principles document is light years ahead of where lots of other folks are in the climate movement. Right. Let me just be very clear and very honest. Someone who's been doing this since I was a student. Can you all talk a little bit about the intersectionality? You reference that and why that's no, important. Aside, but when you say light years ahead, come on, don't, don't say, you can't throw that. That's a, that's a hand grenade. When you say light years ahead, what do you mean when you say that? Well, I'm very clear. Everybody knows I give you real talk. So Let's get there. There are so many well-meaning folks who are in our movement all right, who have forgotten that frontline mm -hmm. communities are where many of the fossil fuel facilities are located. Right. They are the ones who are receiving the impacts both when those emissions go up in the air and of course, then we all have to deal with the impacts of climate change. So when these young, powerful sisters who are sitting here in this room reference that, when we have so many folks in the climate movement who forget that aspect, that's why I say that they are light years ahead uh, in their thinking, in your implementation, and also in helping to move this movement to where it needs to be. So that's why I think this is an extremely powerful movement that is going on. This is why July 21st is so important and the other dates that you all reference. So going back to my initial question about intersectionality, unfortunately, Sometimes we have folks who forget how powerful that is and how necessary that is. Can you all talk a little bit about why you sort of infuse that uh, into your work? Yeah, so every a lot of people, according to their identities and who they are, they're affected by climate change differently, and that's a really big aspect that other green organizations have been have been forgetting. So we wanted to bring everyone to the table, make sure that everyone's voices are heard, because if some people aren't liberated, then no one's liberated, and we can't stay in this community where people, we're all humans here, and we all just want to be happy people, and it, we can't keep holding each other back. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and a lot of people, they talk to me, they're like, okay, like, they read through our guiding principles and, like, platform, they're like, this is extensive, we're not just, you know, we have an issue to solve, we can't just go out of our way to include every single social justice issue and, like, sing the kumbaya, like, come on. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not about us being obnoxious or like snowflakes or just just you know giving everyone a cookie it's that's not what it's about mm -hmm. there's literally no 
there's no solving climate change without solving the systems that caused it because you can't solve an issue with the same thinking that caused it. So if you just go... Oh, hold on, hold on, Jamie. Say that again. You can't solve an issue with the same thinking that caused it. Mm. All right. Paradigm shifting. Go ahead, girl. <laughs> yeah. So uh, these these systems, if you if you take climate change uh, and just just think of it as like within just keep all of the, the systems that we have right now and just mm. lower the carbon levels, you're really you're missing the whole point of like, how did we get here? Um and you're also missing the whole point. A lot of times when people talk about climate change, they talk about how like we're all in the same boat. And yes, we're all on this earth, and eventually everyone is going to be feeling the effects and people. But it's not people equally um, feeling the effects. And when I talk about systems of oppression, like racism, etc., um, anyone who's a victim of a system of oppression is automatically going to be more impacted by climate change than someone who isn't. So take, for example, indigenous people. Um, there's a reason why the Dakota Access Pipeline was illegally built on their land. And actually, the the Standing Rock youth, um, the, several leaders of the movement, are going to be speaking at the march on July 21st. So you don't want to miss that um, in D.C. But anyway... Um, Initially, the pipeline was not going to be built there. It was going to be built in a majority white town, but then, well, uh, unfortunately, our society gives um, privilege to people with lighter skin, so then they're like, okay, we'll just build it through indigenous land. And they were able to get away with it because indigenous people are already victims of like systems of oppression, racism, colonialism, so they already... like didn't have power at least weren't seen as having power in the eyes of like mm -hmm. the people who have the money and control so that's why the pipeline was built and it's already leaked so that's just an example of how people who are at the receiving end of like discrimination automatically feel the most effects of climate change and we're going to have this little seven-year-old girl um named havana um who's going to be talking about like how women around the world are most affected by climate change and it's really just any system of oppression, whoever's on the receiving end is automatically going to be most affected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's one thing to say, you know, yeah, we're fighting for you, we're on your side, but it's another to kind of try to highlight those voices and let them speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. Madeline, what do you mean when you say that? When you say, when you say they need to speak for themselves, what do you mean? Well, a lot of these people uh, that we are highlighting in our march on Saturday, they might not um, have the position in society to be heard by large populations uh, because of the oppression that they have faced. Um, so kind of putting them on the mic and letting them speak about their own experiences with climate change and how they've been effective, affected, excuse me, um, that kind of forces people to listen to their story and what they have to say. Yeah, and then there's like this whole thing with like, white savior complex male savior complex where it's one thing if you're like let's say uh i mean i'm i'm latina but i'm also very light-skinned so i pass in society um, a lot and let's say like if i got up on a rally and started talking about like um the discrimination that people with darker skin face and then people are like oh my god jamie's such a hero look at her standing up for like people of color then it's like it's kind of taking the the credit it's kind of like making yourself the hero of people who don't need to be saved they just need to be given a microphone so we're not we're not going to be up here just saying like oh yeah we stand with indigenous people we're like giving them a space on our stage to talk for themselves because they know what's best for their community yeah reb i'm upset because i don't have a pen and i should be taking notes because they dropping <laughs> some serious science on folks today they, they are and i actually just want to so for those who are just tuning in um there is this is this is not a moment this is a movement and so uh, we're here with uh, the leaders of Zero Hour, and they have a youth climate march 
um, this weekend all over the country and parts of the world. Yes. Um, and so the main, uh, I guess, uh, demonstration will take place in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. on the 21st, and they already have different aspects from an, an art collective on the Friday, and they are going because they, they understand either you shape policy or policy will shape you. And so they will be there on Thursday uh, making it happen. So I wanted to say, I just want to actually come back to, you know, as many of you know, I've been, I've been arrested a few times for a few pipeline protests. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I'm happy to, 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 to well, not, I'm not happy anybody had to get arrested, but you know, I'm just happy that y'all doing that. That's, that's a good, that's a, that's a good piece. I, I want to go back to two things. Um, because as you, all of you were born in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. That's right. And so every year of your life, it has gotten hotter. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so you are dealing with something now, and you are now marching on Washington and marching all over this, this planet. Um, and you're galvanizing young people. The thing for me is, is this, and, and there are two things you've said. One thing is that when many people look back at like, at like uh, Dr. Dorothy Height, who was, who was my mentor, or Dr. King and others, um, one of the things they fought primarily for equality. Um, and within your principles, you're still lacing in equality as a part of that. But the reality is that you are now not only fighting for equality, but you're fighting for existence. Yeah, we're fighting for our lives. You're fighting for your lives. And so I need y'all to kind of speak on that because one of the last principles you have is this. This is a revolution. Right. Mm -hmm. Which means that by any means necessary to have the transition happen from fossil fuels to clean energy. It means you're all in. And I look at you at 15 and 16. Um, I mean, that's a heavy statement. Um, what does it mean to be all in for you? Right. Well, I think our name kind of nicely explains that, uh, that this is zero hour because, you know, scientists suggest that uh, in order for us to live a, live, uh, a livable and sustainable future, it uh, needs to be at 350 ppm of carbon dioxide, the air, Um and this year, I mean, we've exceeded 410 ppm. Um, so, I mean, there is... Madeline, for those, we got a lot of young folks and a lot of people in the hip-hop community, sometimes when they hear that, um, explain what that means. When you say 350 parts per million uh, carbon atm- atmosphere, what, is, what, is the, what does that mean? Right. We're talking about the concentration of carbon dioxide in the air um, that will kind of allow us to foster um, a successful and livable future. And so now 350 is... Where we sh- where we is our limit, right? Yeah, where we should Not, be, right? At most. And so, if you have a, a for those listening, if you sort of if you got a if they say your blood pressure at the height should be nowhere over over one fifty, um, then we are now at two fifty. <laughs> we about to stroke yeah. out. We about to stroke. Our heart is beating to our chest. Um, um, so now we're 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 there. So what what does that mean for future generations? We are already in danger um, based on, I mean, the numbers that we touched upon. There, there is no fallback room, no wiggle room. Um, and that means that if we don't take action now, if the government doesn't um, take action to try to mitigate these numbers, um, then our, our well-being, our livelihood could 
be jeopardized. It will be jeopardized. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's already happening right now. Almost 5,000 people died in Puerto Rico because of Hurricane Maria and all, and all of the hurricanes have been pushing people out of their homes. And these natural disasters are only going to keep happening. And I actually made an artwork that you can see on Saturday about um, natural disasters and how, how they're affecting our lives so much. And they're just going to keep increasing. And we, we don't know how our lives are going to be and that's really going to affect our future decisions it's really scary because i mean we're like 15 16 you know uh, madeline was talking about how you know we were working and she's like my mom's trying to schedule like a college tour which just puts us in perspective of like we're trying to figure out our lives (laughs) madeline like she came to the headquarters of the lake because like she was doing like sat prep which just is kind of it gives you a sense of just like we're (laughs) kids right we're just trying to like get through like high school and so people are constantly asking us like what do you want to be when you grow up what do you want to do what college decide your life and i'm like i would but also like will the planet even be livable for me to grow Mm. up in Mm -hmm. and it's like i was born after 9 11 so like not only has just tsa and airport hypersecurity always been a reality for me but just mm-hmm. so has the fact that life as we know it is coming to an end and there was just never a time when the climate crisis wasn't looming over me like there was never an aha moment every year i've been alive pretty much has been the hottest year on record mm-hmm. and that goes for all three of us yep. so it's just become very normalized and the conversations in high schools are very scary like kids will be talking about like where we want to go this summer place we want to see and they'll be like oh yeah i should probably see it now because like by the time i'm older it'll be gone and that's just like normal like we're just growing up like yes this will be gone by then this will be gone by then so we're just like growing up all aware and then like my friends like yeah i don't want to have kids because like what's the world going to look like for them Mm. like this is the conversations happening in american high schools yeah exactly and it's a burden that we shouldn't have to bear i mean like Jamie said, we're thinking about our futures. Uh, we're thinking about what college we want to go to, what courses we want to take next year. Mm-hmm. We shouldn't be having to think about, you know, will I make it? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so uh, uh, sort of along that line, what do you guys think have been to date? And I know you're still, you know, still building, growing, evolving. What have been some of the biggest challenges uh, and, and some of the successes as well? I would say the greatest challenge that we've faced is just the disparity between ages uh, with the people that we're communicating with. Uh, so a lot of my work, since I am, again, the director of fundraising, has been you know reaching out to adults uh, who are working within the environmental movement and beyond. Uh, and we have gotten a lot of support and a lot of success there, uh, but at the same time that comes with... Uh, this kind of assumption that youth are not responsible enough to um, hold out a successful event um, or kind of utilize funds properly. Yeah. So there was actually this person who shall not be named who literally like was like, sorry, we can't, we don't feel like it's right to provide funding for you, but if you want some, like, a bunch of chocolates, and I'm like, really? <laughs> it's going to be, like, 100 degrees like, wow. in the summer, and you just want to, like, feed us candy? Like, what? Are, what? I remember Madeline Ford this me this email, and, and that was, like, before we had, like, reached our fundraising goals. We were, like, really trying to, to fundraise, and then she's just like, look. And I, like, <laughs> I wanted to, like, laugh and scream at the same time because it was so funny but also so insulting. Yeah. And some people, I mean no matter how much interest they might have in our movement and our message, they're not able to uh, support us financially, and that's definitely understandable. Um, We're talking more about kind of this stigma, I'd say, um, that youth aren't able to um, do what we're doing. Yeah, well, we we, we know that a little bit. Sometimes with uh, organizations of color, people assume that you're not going to be able to be financially fiscal. And that's, I'm sorry, you know me, I just call it out. No, 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 no. Well, we, we, and and I think, and that's something that we we should, I mean, so let me just say this to share that 
uh, unfortunately, um, that that is a part of our movement that we need to change. Um, and then we, and I think actually we should get into that. And I actually, I, I want to read. I, I want to put a pin there and come to that. Um, but I also want to read the what you believe in this movement. Um, which is important as part of their guiding principles. I, I want to make sure what they affirm and, oh, yeah. and in this movement. So one of the things, and if you're just tuning in, uh, we have the leaders of Zero Hour, uh, Jamie, Nadia, and Madeline in the studio here um, with us, and they have a a. This is, I want to make sure, please. This is not. This is new. They have a a a a march this weekend, but it's ongoing, and they're literally fighting for their lives. I mean, they've just been saying that, and and uh, it just broke my heart. I was just listening to Madeline to say, man, you know, I wish I could be doing some other pieces, but I got to do this, and so I want to applaud all three of you. Uh, for that, but also we we can learn as Mustafa said we can learn some things mm-hmm. um, from these from these leaders uh, in this movie. This is what they say, um, and again you can go to this is zerohour.org, correct? Yeah. And so if y'all want to get a, if y'all want to read along with me, and then also uh, go there and 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 hit the donate button and whatever you else you want to do and RSVP for RSVP the March, for July twenty first. Uh, follow. I think that y'all 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 hit y'all, y'all get your, your your followers are just increasing. So y'all make sure y'all follow them on Instagram and and this Twitter. This is zero hour uh, for all our social media handles. There there it is. So we want to do that. But this is what they they list out in this movement. We will be peaceful and nonviolent. We will be humble and learn from each other. We will extend the hand of friendship. We will demand that our allies take action in solidarity with us. We will work to protect each other. We will not allow the system to divide us. Mm-hmm. We will sow seeds to create a just future. And we affirm that climate change is real. Indigenous rights must be honored. Animals are on the front lines. Nature is the most powerful force. Each generation must learn from each other. Black lives matter. Queer and trans people must be heard. Rape culture must be dismantled. People with disabilities must be included and respected. Marginalized cultures must be treated with dignity. Transformative justice is true justice. Yo, listen, I, I want to. <laughs> th- that, that's amazing. Uh, I want to get into that, and then we're going to kind of get into the people's platform on the other side. Um, right now, if you're just tuning in to Hip Hop Caucus, Think 100%, this is the coolest show <laughs> on climate change. And Zero Hour is here. Young people fighting for the future, mixing it up, making it happen. And we are having a, uh, man, this is a phenomenal, transformative conversation that we are having here with uh, Jamie Margolin, who is the founder and president of Zero Hour. Nadia Nazar, who is the founding member, art director, and co-sponsorship lead for Zero Hour. And Madeline, too who is also a founding member and the director of fundraising. And they are fired up and and ready to go. And ready to go. That's right. No doubt about it. And there and there is a um, march. We want everybody who is listening, all those, tell your friends, your uncle, your, your, your aunties, whoever you need to, to your cousin, your next door neighbor, to everybody, uh, to one, to go to this is zero hour 
dot org and you can either come to the dc march if you're in dc for all of folks listening all over um the country um you can find one as in la there's folks in fort lauderdale there's marches there's all over the place seattle so so you know get, get get out your soft shoes you know and whatever you need to, sunscreen guys your sunscreen <laughs> and 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 you know let, let's get out there and do it because um, this is this we have to do it as a we said earlier they are not only fighting for equality but they are fighting for existence so with that being said you've been vocal about the disconnects between generations in the climate movement where do you see this problem at its at its biggest point and what steps do you think need to be taken to get on the right path well the first thing is we can't vote we we didn't choose to make to allow fossil fuels to continue and to grow and, and we didn't choose for climate change to happen in the first place and we're going to be the one that has to to bear this burden and, and take this on as we become our as we become leaders and the next president and in government of, uh, elected officials and so it's really um important that that we we bridge we bridge that gap and i think that older generations when they were making decisions they didn't really consider the future they didn't consider effects they just wanted to live in the moment and we want to live in the moment too but how do we do that when we have to worry about life and death so so i want to follow with that one and mm-hmm. and Nadia, and and that aspect as you were talking um so one of the things here and this is actually important so let's say the modern day climate movement the modern-day climate movement, as people would say, starts right, I guess, at the beginning of right around EPA. Um, and EPA will turn 50 next year, Mustafa. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hardly we, an EPA at the moment. No, no, it's, it's hardly EPA. Actually, Mustafa was, was, I think, 40 back when it first got started. He's about 90 now. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired here in the Think 100% studio. Yeah. Um, no, but the thing here is that this movement now is, is 50 years old, right? And it, it's a lot of the organizations are around that old. Um, the thing here you mentioned and is very important is that that movement was a predominantly white male movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and even for the civil rights movement, let's not take about the hook. Uh, you know, thank goodness for Bayard Rustin was able to fight for LGBTQIA communities back then. Dr. Dorothy Height couldn't speak at the March on Washington. So even back then, so I'm on the rights people to get all, yeah, look at environmental. The rights movement was a movement that had a bunch of men, no, like we love Dr. King and all that, but it was mostly men, and they excluded folks who were others, even in their own movement. And definitely we saw this within the environmental movement as well. Mm-hmm. But even further on, that that movement also then excluded people of color, poor people, indigenous communities. Um, and you, you get to this as you're talking. How do you now balance the past right. with the present? Well, the thing is, a lot of people like to pinpoint the environmental movement as starting with like the majority white activists in the 60s, but the original environmental movement was the indigenous people who knew how to not screw up the land. I would use another word, but I, we're alive and I'm not allowed to swear, um, but you guys know what I mean. And they were really the original environmental activists like before um, the EPA was even a thing, before the word activist or like before there was a United States like government. Like They were the original um, 
And they don't get enough credit for the work that they keep doing because uh, people are like, wow, intersectionality and like we can't live without wildlife and you can't eat money or drink oil, like such radical concepts. But they've been yelling that as to us for like 500 years and no one's been listening. Mm. Um, so I just want to start off with that. And it's just like uh, people, um, Nadia and I actually were doing an interview, like a live stream. And there are a lot of like um, people who, who were a part of the, the older like white um, 1960s movements and they were just kind of being annoyed at us for kind of critiquing it and just kind of wanting a cookie and be like i was there um but it's it's not it didn't start there and it started with the indigenous people so i just want to throw that out there and but jamie on that point let me just say this you are a thousand percent correct and there were people on who are definitely in the indigenous communities who are clearly that folks who are People of color. This goes, you know, and this is this is. We know this. We know this is as a part of the DNA, particularly for the Africans. Mm-hmm. Um, we know this from indigenous communities. Um, so this that that's correct. But the thing here now, as you was as we were saying, we have folks who offered you a box of chocolates. You know, mm-hmm. um, from a fundraising here, who know no money. Here's some chocolates, and they and sometimes they have. They were truffles, which is even worse because, like, what kid wants truffles? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, at least crazy. like a good chocolate. I mean, like, sure, <laughs> but like, come on. Yeah, well, yeah, so, yeah that, that's actually very funny. Get it often truffles, and, and so this, and, and so. Please know, y'all, that mo- most teenagers don't really want truffles. Actually, mm-hmm. that's not what they're looking for. Right. We but, need but funds to start our movement. No, but let's, let's let's go there though. Let's talk about that. I mean, because I think that this is the thing. So, Madeline talked about that earlier. I want to hit on that because what you are also doing here is you're also not just creating a difference within how the movement looks and feels, but also, to me, more important, how it operates. That, to me, is fundamentally more important because we can get out there. What you're saying is this. We can get out there, which happens a lot. We can go out there and speak. You can put a camera on me. You can say, look at them. This is great. And then when the camera goes away, you fundamentally go back to business as usual, mm-hmm. which you are saying, no, we just don't want to get there. We're going to get out there, speak. We're going to be led by people of color. We're going to be led by young people. We're going to be led by all kinds of people who should be leading an indigenous community and people in that, in that aspect. But then you're saying something else. How the movement is, the movement that we were, not only just the climate, but the movement that we were also born into in some aspects, that movement isn't operating correctly. That you are not trusting young people. You are not trusting people of color with resources and infrastructure. So I want to get to that. What are you trying, because you're, you're being very clear that that part needs to change as well. So in that battle, which is as big a battle as some of the other battles you will face, how are you trying to make those changes happen in the structure of the climate movement itself? Well, we're really trying to do it with our own organization internally. We really wanted to have a diverse group of, mm-hmm. of youth for our, our core organizers, and that, that naturally happened to us. The people that, that reached out to us over social media and were like, I want to help out, or it just naturally became a really diverse group. Of because youth. they felt like welcome yeah. for, mm. for the first time. We, we really wanted to, to welcome What do you mean when you say that, they, they finally felt welcome? Um, like, we were very clear about there are a lot of like places like youth cohorts of like large organizations but it's all like overly managed like the the adults and like the and typically like they're they're white adults and people who like young kids of color like don't see themselves in and so they just feel very uncomfortable like i mean like if you're 
I've been like, I mean, as a girl, I'm just using this example. Like if you walk into like a room full of like only boys Mm -hmm. in like a space and you suddenly feel like, wait a minute, I don't belong here. It's the same for like, um, you know, kids uh, uh, of different communities who like walk into a space and it's very like old and white. And then they're just like, I care about the issue, but I really don't feel welcome. Um, A lot of times like kids voices are like vetoed by um, older generations who are just like, yeah, yeah, that's cute. Okay. But like. And like um, older generations, sometimes there there are some who like really know how to be allies, and then there are some who don't. And so within our organization, like there's no overarching like if you look at our organization and you know you see the pictures on a really in charge. If you peel back like the there's it's it's us like it's even like the, the things like fundraising like Madeline's 15 and she's like raising tens of thousands of dollars and like. Um, Nadia is is 16 and she's like managing like partnerships and art builds and just directing people and like I'm 16 and I'm the like executive director or president whatever you want to call it like people when you look at the the power structure of our organization it's really it's flipped so that we make the decisions and then the adults there help us um and even our adult mentors like they're also like um in the movement but a lot of our mentors we have like some white mentors but also a lot of like mentors who are from communities of color where these kids can see themselves in and feel comfortable talking about things because like i've been in spaces where i've just been like oh, I'm not really comfortable yeah. Yeah. yeah and uh talking about that separation uh that jamie touched upon it's it's unfortunate and it's really counterproductive um that that exists within the climate effort um that people feel the need to separate based on who they identify as um i mean it's counterproductive because we really need um all hands together um and we need to feel as one because we're fighting for the same thing yeah we can we're all on the same page we're all fighting the same fight so that's why it's annoying when like um I feel people try to co-opt or people try to like just they don't help us at all and like slap now that they see that we're getting momentum they're like like whereas it's like we've been working for about a year now so this mm-hmm. is not just like a pop-up march that's happening we have been like uh, nadia and i have just like been communicating through social media we're on opposite sides of the country but we became friends and i just met her for the first time like in person like last week and we've been working on this for a long time and for most of the time we were just like real underdogs and we still are i mean we're literally working like in a basement so we're literally <laughs> underdogs um but um that sounded sketchy anyway um like before this when, when there were no media articles no press nothing yeah. then these organizations would be like nah, you and then now they're just like oh i'm gonna slap my name on this um mm-hmm. so it's just really counterproductive because we're all fighting the same fight we all want to we we need to we have enough going up against the fossil fuel industry and all these other powers to have infighting within like mm-hmm. within the movement like that's not that's not where we should be fighting and then and there have been and it's funny because and this this is not just the climate movement this is not just zero hour i've mm-hmm. i've had mentors in like the women's march mentors and like all other like movements where they're just like honestly sometimes there's like more drama within like not drama i won't say drama but i would say conflict and just like because everyone's so passionate and they believe like this is the right way to fight this fight mm-hmm. whereas what we really need to be focusing on is like because that's what um one of our guiding principles it says don't let the system divide us and, right. and a lot of times the system tries to divide us within the environmental movement and make us like hate each other mm-hmm. or within any movement and make like different people of different identities hate each other and and so suddenly we're fighting ourselves against ourselves instead of the larger enemy and boom the system has divided us so that's what yeah. we're up against yeah. and that's why i said earlier you know you guys are light years ahead of so many others and that is to be honored um can you guys um because we only have a little bit of time left can you talk a little bit about your platform the people's platform i love the name 
Um, it reminds me so much of the early days of the environmental justice movement of folks coming together, defining themselves, defining the work that they're going to do. Can you guys just share briefly with them and we can have folks go to your website also? Yeah, so we, we can't always depend on our, our government to, to create change, and we do need systematic change, but we really need a lot of change on the local and, and state level as well. So this platform is really guiding people on what change they can make towards their local community and how they can work to build a more sustainable community and lifestyle that that doesn't that doesn't support these systems of oppression that are at the root of the climate crisis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I, I just want to say that, you know, we, for folks who, I want to get the business set aside. So when folks want to mm-hmm. figure out more about Zero Hour, where they go to? Thisiszerohour.org or at this is zero hour on social media. And if folks want to find more about the march and need to come out, they go? Thisiszerohour.org because that has our RSVP <laughs> link and you can RSVP. Um, and just for everyone right now, like it's on the National Mall. Um, for, this is for the D.C. March on July 21st. 1030 in the morning is when the rally starts. Uh, we're trying to like avoid the worst of the heat, so I'm sorry if you have to get up a little early. Um, but it's... Um, at 1030 National Mall, 7th Street. 7th Street. It's really hard to miss. There's going to be like a giant stage and like thousands of people. So <laughs> if you're if you're on the National Mall, you'll probably like just look around and be like, oh, there's a march. Um, and we'll be marching past um, the Senate building and past the Supreme Court and to Lincoln Park. And no, we are not marching past the White House. And a lot of people ask that because this is not an anti-Trump rally or anything. It's it's fighting for climate justice and we would be doing this regardless of who's president. Like mm-hmm. if Hillary Clinton won, we'd be still we'd still be marching. And um yeah, Trump's not I like that. I like that. We march doesn't matter who's in office. We march. So now I I'm tearing up my notes here. I want to get to some of the fun stuff. I got a little time for me cuz this is the Hip Hop Caucus. Thank 1%, the coolest show on climate change. Someone come down the list. I'm going to start here with Nadia. Who is your favorite artist? So I mean, like, come on. We 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 going to move a little bit from climate to culture. Okay. Favorite artist, favorite song. Frida Kahlo and favorite song um Tiptoe by Imagine Dragons. I like that. I like that. Hmm. Madeline? I'm going a little back to Beatles. Um, what? what? <laughs> Strawberry Fields Forever. I we were like listening that. to them in the y'all car. Y'all like old souls up in here. <laughs> y'all like, y'all like, we got. Um, Haley Kiyoko, Girls Like Girls. I like that. Okay, okay. Uh, so from the culture, I'm going to go to the art side. Um, so if you can create, it's about the future. Let's, let's move forward. So mm-hmm. if you're creating the future, um, each one of you. I want y'all just to think now. Let's think think about it. If you can just wave your your magic hip hop caucus mug. <laughs> <laughs> um, For all of you listening, I just spilled water because I was literally waving. No, she was waving and she was doing it. I, I want y'all to speak to them now. Each one of you. What what is your what what, what would you want your future to now? You are now in the present. We got fossil fuels, but what would you want the future to look like? So I'm gonna start down to end. Uh, with Nadia, what does your future look like? I want a future, a beautiful and sustainable future, a future that is biodiverse, where animals can live cohesively, where we're not pushing them away because of urban sprawl, and and where we can live in a community of peace and love. There's a lot of hate happening right now, and that that's not only fueling this this issue, but so many other issues that that relate to the climate crisis, and and just a community of of love and support. Wow, wow. Thank you. Madeline. 
Um, when I'm in school, when I'm taking classes um, and doing work, it's kind of always in the back of my mind, this movement and the urgency um, that that we need to acknowledge. Um, and so I'd say an ideal future for me is one in which we can, I guess, be present in what we're doing instead of having to mm. kind of acknowledge this looming cloud over yeah. us. Mm-hmm. Jamie. Yeah, I would really agree with Madeline. I guess my ideal future would be I just want to, I mean, I've always wanted to be like the leader that I wish I had. So um, mm. watching like people run for office and stuff, I was like, oh God, I could do so much better. <laughs> like, um, so I wanted, I wanted to, I just, I just remember me like being really little, like wanting to do that, wanting to be a leader. Um, and just, I just want a future where I, I have the ability to do that. And I, I just want a future where, like Madeline said, like you can focus on your passions, focus on what you're doing. Like mm-hmm. Nadia loves art and Madeline. Um, I would want to go into like business or finance. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, I like love, um, I think I would still be fighting for social justice, but I really love um, like leadership and working with people and um, books and literature and, I just wish like, we could just have a future where we can just focus on our passions and just live our lives. Like, It's become so normalized among my generation where we just have this existential threat looming over us, and it would just be nice to have a future where we can just live our lives, do what we like, explore the possibilities, and then not have to worry about, like Madeline put it perfectly, this big cloud. Mm. Well, I just want to tell you all this. First of all, thank you all for being on this show. And let me just tell you this. i give you some, some uh, I guess, some, some wisdom. In this movement, one, um, you guys make me so happy to see what you're doing and how you're fighting, and never stop that. And we say hip hop can't stop, won't stop. <laughs> um, but the one thing I'll just tell you, if you were to say, "Man, Red, what's the one thing you would give?" Man, always just have love. Don't let anybody steal your joy. Like you're gonna come across a lot of people and a lot of different things, and whatever you do in this movement, never stop having fun. Because when you stop having fun, you're done. Just always have fun. Never stop smiling, and never forget to f- keep fighting for people. If that's the case, man, y'all are already on course, <laughs> and hopefully, you make you will along with all of the other young people. I believe you will win. So just keep on fighting. Thank right. you for being a part of the show. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you. So with that, you've been listening to Hip Hop Caucus. Think one hundred percent, the coolest show on climate change. Thanks for joining us this week on Think 100%, the coolest show on climate change, a hip-hop caucus platform. Let's keep this important dialogue going. Be a part of the conversation by following us on social media at Think100Show and at Hip Hop Caucus. Visit our website at think100.info for blog content, information on upcoming events, or to connect with us. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe wherever podcasts are available so you'll never miss an episode. Rate and review us or simply tell a friend. Climate change impacts all of us. And if we think 100%, we can achieve a 100% sustainable and just world together. Think 100, think 100, think 100.